first of all, thank you again for allowing us to be here. And uh, we certainly count it a privilege to be here and be able to share with, with you. And uh, again, I would like to look at a scripture in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, In my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I will say again that I didn't come here with a bunch of fancy talk and a polished presentation. I'm a farmer. My son and I farm together. I have a construction business. You know, we're just regular people. And, but thank God he's put some things within us. And if he can put things in me, then he can put things in each one of you. Because he's not a respecter of persons. And so I want to submit again everything that I say to pastor for correction. I don't want to um, cause anything that would be confusing or anything I don't think there is. But uh, there again, he is the, he's the shepherd of this flock and, and uh, he is the authority here. And so I submit to him. But... Thank you again for allowing us to be here. It's uh, kind of um, to hear your youngest daughter get up and say those kinds of things. The things that we're talking about that we've tried to, to instill within our kids and then to see it spoken out is an awesome thing. And so... You know, the title of this thing has been Raising Godly Children in an Ungodly World. And you know, on our own we can't do that, but thank God with the help of the Holy Spirit and with the leadership of His Word, any of us can do it. Because Lynn and I have proven it out. Here is the, is the move of the Spirit of God. Back there, Jeffrey, and his wife Abby, Joel, Catherine... Jerome Bryan and Jace, you just heard from, JC. We call her Jace. But, you know, we have to look back at the beginning, and I touched on this last week, as God is our example of Father. He gave the very best that He had. He gave His only Son, He gave Jesus. And even, can I ask, how many were here last time that two weeks ago? Maybe about half of you are a little over. You'll remember that we looked at the story of the prodigal son. And let's look at that verse. Um, Jeffrey, if you could put that up there in Luke chapter 15 in verse 31. Y'all know the story of the prodigal son. He'd gone out and he came back. And the older son is what we were looking at. And he was, he was kind of ticked off because the dad threw a, threw a party for him. When he came back, and the older son didn't like it. And so, I'll give Jeffrey a chance to catch up. I didn't give him much warning. 
But it says, and this, and so the older son was, was not happy. And the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. And you know, that's what God says to us. You're my children and everything that I have, I've made available to you through Jesus. And so we don't have to take on the responsibility of trying to raise godly children in an ungodly world by ourselves because God's going to jump right in the middle of it and assist us if we'll allow him. And so that takes the pressure off of you and I. And, you know, Jace was exactly right. You know, I, I mentioned last week, you know, some of you guys aren't married, aren't looking to be married. There's, I mean, kids are the farthest thing from your mind. But my prayer is that someday when you get married, the truths that we're talking about, the Holy Spirit will bring them back to your remembrance and you'll remember this stuff and that he'll lead you and that as you look to him he'll help you do it Amen. and I've got 24 pages of notes and I got through about five of them last week so I'm going to skip through some things I said last week that kids need to know what the boundaries are we have to give them parameters you know, Lynn and I were, we followed J.C. as she played basketball and, and, and competed in track, and so we were on the road. Lynn, the, the license plate on Lynn's pickup says, going to game, because that's where we were, going to a game all the time. And I'm not saying that that's what you need to do. That's just what we did, okay? And there's no condemnation, or it's not a, it's not a, prideful thing I'm just I'm just telling what we did and so we were coming back through Ottawa Iowa which you, you guys maybe don't even know where it's at it's over on the west end of the state and I had been picked up for speeding three times in two weeks and thank God I only got a warning each of the three times now I'm not saying that's right I'm not but so I, I would just want you to get into where my mind was. And so we're coming back home, and it's like, you know, it's one o'clock in the morning, 12:30, whatever it was, and we're going through Ottawa, Iowa, and I'm like, I don't know what the speed limit is here. I have not seen a speed limit sign this whole time, and I cannot get picked up again. Three in a row with no tickets. I'm pressing my luck. <laughs> and so I'm looking around and I'm like, what is the speed limit? What? I don't even know how fast to drive. Now, the frame of my mind was, I need to know what the parameters are. And see, that's what our kids need to know. They need to know, where do you expect them to live their lives? Because if they know what the speed limit is, then they know what they have to do to get in line. Does that make sense? And so it doesn't matter whether it's your children or your grandchildren. If we can tell them what's expected of them and give them a guideline 
to live their life for, by, it takes the pressure off of them. They don't have to just guess and figure it out. God did it. He gave us a guideline. He didn't just put us on earth and say, live it out and however you figure it out, I'll let you know at the end how you did. Be disaster for most of us. But thank God he gave us a guideline. And so we need to give guidelines to our children. We need to give them the parameters. Let them know what's right. Let them know what's wrong. Let them know what you expect. We have to be consistent. If it's wrong one time, it's always wrong. It's not, no, you can't do that today, but tomorrow when you do it again, I'm too busy to deal with you now, so I guess I'll just let you go. No. You've got to be consistent. And I'm just touching on a few things that we talked about last week. I know everybody's busy. But we do the things that we make priority. What could be more important than your children's lives? Other than your relationship with God and your relationship with your spouse. There's nothing that's more important. We need to teach our kids how to pray. Obviously, Jace knows how to pray. Put her on the spot and she could still, you know, because it's the Holy Spirit within that causes those things to rise up because they've been put in her from the time she was little. Some will say, well, I haven't had that opportunity. I'm just new in the Lord. That's okay. He'll get you caught up if you get in the Word. It's important to know the Word of God. We need to speak continuously into our kids' lives. Speak the Word of God. Speak good things to them and over them. You've, you've probably all heard it. You've either heard a parent say it, or you've heard a, a young person say it. Oh, I'm just stupid. I can't do that. I, I, I just can't do it. Somebody instilled that within them. That they either weren't capable, they were too dumb, or whatever it was. I'm saying, let's do the opposite. Teach them the word of God. Teach them that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. You know, it should be our first priority to have our kids accept Christ and get filled with the Holy Ghost. They need, to, they need to have that assurance of salvation and they need to have that power in their lives. And the thing about that 
if you think about disciplining kids, if you have the Holy Spirit, because in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says anyone that's in Christ is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things became new. Now, that doesn't, mean, that doesn't matter whether you're three years old or 30 years old. Joel just turned 30 yesterday. Had a party for him. Doesn't matter whether you're 3 or 30, the spirit man gets recreated into the image of Christ. And so you've got God working on the inside and parents working on the outside to make that person, that little person, into the, into the person that God wants them to be. There again, it takes the pressure off the parents, or some of it anyway. We need to give our kids, it doesn't matter whether they're little bitty or whether they're adults. We need to give them an everyday example to follow. I still give my kids an everyday example to follow. It's not just a Sunday example or a Wednesday night example. It's an everyday example. You do what's right. Your word is, you know, you, you tell the truth. You walk in integrity. So as a result, this is the result. You know, I made this statement last Sunday, or two Sundays ago in the afternoon, after lunch. I said, you know, we don't want to change our, our children's personalities. That's who they are. But we can change their disposition, and we can certainly help to develop their character. Because there's a difference between personality, disposition, and character. Two of them we can, two of them we want to adjust. We want to make them into the person that God wants them to be. But their personality, I don't want to change their personality. That's who God created them. You know, everything that a, that a child does, it doesn't matter what age they are, Every mistake they make is not disobedience. Sometimes it's just being a kid. Little kids make, are little kids. Big kids are teenagers. <laughs> and they're going to make mistakes. And now, there are some things that are going to be direct disobedience. And you have to discipline. You need to discipline. You need to be consistent. But there's other things that they're just being kids. I remember Jeffrey, when he was little, he'd take sit by the table. And he'd take a drink of water or milk or whatever he had. And he'd set his glass so that the edge of it's hanging over the edge of the table. And he's, I mean, he's like eating around it. You know, and it's sitting there. And he never spilled it. I'd reach over. I'd slide his glass over into the middle. I'd move his glass, and he'd hit it and spill it. <laughs> Not on purpose, 
was just, he was just being a kid. But every time he'd take a drink and he'd set that thing down to where the half the glass is almost hanging over the edge of the table. Not because he was being disobedient, he was just being a kid. Uh, I guess that's where his, that's as far as he could reach. So we have to learn what's disobedience and what's just being a kid. He threw a rock through the back, back window. Uh, some people, I'm telling Jeffrey stories today. These people came to sell us insurance, tried to sell us insurance. We said, no, we don't need any. And they're just getting ready to leave, and Jeffrey and Joel are down the yard there. Of course, we got, you know, we live in the country on a farm. We've, so we got concrete right in front of the garage, but the rest, of the, the rest of the driveway and lane is gravel. And Jeffrey picks up this rock, and he's going to throw it to Joel over there, except for some reason he threw it that way right through the back window of the van. I'm like, oh, man, now what? It's like, it's late in the afternoon, you know. Thank God, uh, Heidi Leinen and, and uh, Hannah Beaker's dad has body shop. And uh, I said, Jim, can you put a back glass in this van tomorrow it was on a Saturday he says I think I can get one so thank God he got a glass I don't know where he came up with it but he found a glass and so it cost me a glass he wasn't being disobedient he was being a kid and so yes there was some discipline that went with that <laughs> know where you're throwing the rock from now on or don't throw the rock But he didn't do it as an act of disobedience. He was just being a kid. You know, he's what? I don't know. How old was he, Joel? Four, Four probably, five? Yeah. Yeah, Joel, look at this cool rock. You know, in Proverbs 13, 24, it says, remember that... He that spares the rod hates his son. Now, this is an interesting point. The Holy Spirit brought this up to me after our kids were already older. And I'm like, it was when he brought this up to me, I was like, wow, that's really, that's really cool. But I'll try to, I'll, I'll try to explain this if you listen real carefully. There are a couple of different behaviors that surface in small children that have to be dealt with. Number one, they can be shy and introverted and hide behind their parents' leg when people talk to them. You've all seen that. It's like... We have to mold that will 
into something that's pleasant and enjoyable. It's another area of discipline. You have to communicate with them and tell them, when people talk to you, talk to them. Don't hide behind mom or dad's leg and ignore them. <clears throat> now, I'm not talking about a complete stranger that walks up and wants to, you know, have some sort of interaction with a little kid. I'm talking about someone that they know or the parents are right there. Hey, get out from behind here and answer the question. These guys have all been through that. So get out here. They're talking to you. Open your mouth. You can talk any other time. Sometimes when we don't want to hear you, you're talking. Now we want to hear you and you won't. We do them a great disservice by allowing them to, be high, to, to hide and be shy and timid. Or, the other thing, they can be bold, smug, and confident. And not want to be bothered talking to anybody that they don't want to talk to. It's the exact opposite. Same result. To allow that is to promote and propagate pride in their life. And when not, deal, not dealt with, that attitude becomes that they themselves and what they want personally is more important than anyone or anything around them. And you know what? It's very hard for God to use someone with that kind of attitude because they become very self-centered, self-indulging, and full of pride. And see, it all starts when they're toddlers. Is this helping anybody? Making sense? Austin, is it making sense? All right. We want them to be bold and confident in who they are in Christ, but be compassionate and considerate of other people. Good. You know, John 10.10 says, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We have to be consistent Constant and relentless in keeping our kids on the right track. Because the devil is there to take them off track. And you know, I always think about this old Tom Petty. Any, any older people know who Tom Petty is? Old rocker. He's got this song, I Won't Back Down. You can march me up to the gates of hell, but I won't back down. Every once in a while, i got to pull that thing up on YouTube and listen to that. Because it just does something for me. We just got to have that determination. 
Devil, if it's a fight you want, then it's a fight you've got because I am not backing down. And we have to be that way with our children. I'm skipping over lots of stuff, but I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of hitting the tops of the waves here. We need to pray for our kids. Pray specifically for them. Don't, don't just say, oh, God, bless my children. Because you know what? He'll bless them, and you don't know whether they got blessed or not. I'm serious. You just keep on praying, God, bless them. God, bless them. God, bless them. And you don't know whether you got the answer to your prayer or whether you didn't because you didn't pray specifically. Pray specific things for them. Know how you want those children and those grandchildren to turn out in the end. Then you know when you got the answer to your prayer and you can go, glory to God. That's what we were praying for. And you know, talk about Pastor, pastor says, stand here beside me. Pastor, he's moving. <laughs> and he's worshiping. And I'm like. Bring it. Huh? Ten, yeah. <laughs> Y'all seen the movie Hitch? Remember the place where he tells the guy, no, I don't want to see any more of that. This is where you are. Right here. <laughs> but pastor, he's out there. He's worshiping. I'm like, man, I like that. But it will look really funny if I'd have done it. You guys had all been laughing. But I believe this to be true. You know, Lynn and I, we a lot of times we'll pray at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning for our kids. We'll wake up and we'll say, let's pray. The Holy Spirit showed me this <clears throat> one morning, excuse me. That, you know how it said, pictures, pictures worth, or, uh, yeah, pictures worth a thousand words. I believe that's true. And I had this picture flash into my mind or my spirit. And I saw us going, glory to God. And when we said glory to God, a whole bunch of angels that were on site all went, glory to God. And as we say, praise Jesus, they go, Praise Jesus. And see, I think that's what happens. That when we find out what God will do for us and we see the answers to our prayers come to pass and we go, glory to God, thank you for that. The angels come right in behind us, just like a choir. Glory to God, thank you for that. Just a side note. In James 5.16, it says that the heartfelt fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In the Amplified, it says 
the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. I like that. I like some dynamic power in my life. We all need some of that. Especially when it comes to our families. And it, you know, it doesn't matter if they're married and have a grandson there. He needs prayer just as much as their parents do. And it's an ever ongoing thing that you never let up. Because like Tom Petty says, I won't back down. And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So devil, if it's a fight you want, it's a fight you've got. And I'm going to skip way back. Jeffrey, can you pull up Jude 3, please? I'll see if I can find that. Jude, verse 3. He says, everybody go. Mary's <laughs> got it. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. He says to contend earnestly. Now I looked up that word contend. It's not a word that we use very often. But it means to engage in a competition in order to win or achieve something and to strive in opposition or against the difficulties. Let me read that again. Engage in a competition in order to win or achieve something and to strive in opposition or against difficulties. We have to contend for our children. It's imperative that we contend for them. Even like a, you know, that word contend is usually, in fact, it's probably the only place I ever hear it is in boxing. You've got the champ and you've got the contender. Well, they know they're going into a slugfest. And so there's some competition going on. There's some difficulties going to happen. Somebody's going to get hit. They're both going to get hit. Somebody's going to get bloody. Somebody's going to win. And just as a side note, the winner goes home with his $8 million check. He walks in the door and his wife says, I'll take that. Now she is more than a conqueror. <laughs> she didn't do anything to earn that. Just like we didn't do anything to earn salvation, but Jesus made us more than conquerors. Because he is the ultimate conqueror. 
You know, we can never take a break as parents, as grandparents. I'm sorry, but if you've got kids, your breaks are over. You cannot, Joel, I forgot to tell you and Catherine this, you no longer have any opportunity to take a break. Austin will, will understand this. Jeffrey, those of you that have played basketball understand this. In defense, you can never take a break. The second you take a break and relax and let up, you're beat. And that's the way it is with our children. If we go, oh, thank God we got them through that. And so you have to be in that defensive mode all the time. I'll tell another story on Jeffrey. I'm proud of him about this. When he was a senior at Harlan High School, he was the, he was the lockdown guy. Didn't matter what team they played, whoever their best scorer was, he played defense on them. And he took some, some guys that were scoring 25-plus points a game and would hold them to five, seven points. Amazing. The coach told me not very long ago, I still use Jeffrey as my example of how to play defense because nobody in Harlan has ever done it better. It's because he never took a break. He never gave the opposition an opportunity to beat him. Now that's in basketball. But if that same principle applies to our lives, it doesn't matter. And <laughs> this is true. It doesn't matter whether it's raising our kids or our grandkids, our grandkids or just living out our everyday life. We cannot take a break from the Word of God because the devil is there to beat us. So we just can't let up. We have to contend. Now, some of this contending is going to be spanking their little rears because God said, I didn't say it, God said it, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Now, there's a difference between spanking a kid and beating them. I'm hot, I'm sorry. There's a difference between spanking them. You know, I compare it to this. You can't reason with a toddler any more than you can reason with a puppy. <laughs> You're, I see a lot of heads going, yeah. <laughs> and you know what trains that puppy? Is a little bit of pain. They don't understand reason, but they do understand pain. Now, I'm not talking about beating them and abusing them. That's stupid. It's wrong. But a little bit of swat with a... I had two methods. Two, I had two devices. 
I had a piece of cedar shingle that was about that long. You know, it's about that long. It's thicker on the one end, tapers down. And, you know, it's got a little weight to it. And it really pops, you know. <laughs> and doesn't really hurt anything. Stings. I mean, if you hit them hard enough that you're making bruises and leaving welts, you're hitting too hard. But you can make it sting. And I'll tell you what, they respond to that. I'll tell you, timeouts don't work. And I'm sorry if I've offended anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. Timeouts don't work. It's like, you can sit them down, they're like, hmm. I just got out of doing my chores. Well, I could sit here in my time out and I don't have to take the trash out. Yeah, think about what you're going to do next. But just remember that. Toddlers and puppies, you can't reason with them, but they do understand pain. Are you, do you understand where I'm at? I don't want to confuse anybody. And, and Don't leave here and say, well, that guy from Harlan told us to beat our kids. No, I'm not. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. It says this. There's, there's another one. Let's see if I can find this. It's a good scripture. In my notes, it's, I've got this. Eventually, every father will find that his children will follow his example, not his advice. In Proverbs 29:15, and to Jeffrey's credit, I had, a, I had this whole list of scriptures. And I'm jumping around so far that he can't begin to keep up with me. But these scriptures are all pertinent to what we're talking about. And there's, there's probably 35 of them. And I talked to Pastor, and he said that if you guys want those scriptures, they'll make them available for you because Jeffrey has the list. Yes, so if you want to get these scriptures, because a lot of them I haven't even touched on because just for the sake of time. But Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. I didn't say it. I repeated it, and I believe it. And then in verse 17. (laughs) Correct your son, and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. You know what? Lynn and I didn't have to be worrying when our kids were in high school wondering what they were doing. We could go to sleep. We could go to bed and go to sleep. Now, we had a rule that they had to check in when they got home. Just come let us know that you're home. But we were not worried that they were out doing the wrong things because we'd corrected them when they were young 
And so they were doing the right things when they grow, grew older. And here they are. Not because Lynn and I are so smart or because we're anything special because God's not a respecter of persons. And so if he'll do it for our kids, he'll do it for your kids if you follow his principles. I got a list of things. Why we didn't have to worry staying up, waiting for him to come home at night. Because we didn't spare the rod, because we spoke the word of God into their lives, because we gave time, our time for them. We sacrificed our own desires for them. We guided them through tough situations and pressures that the world applies. We encourage them to know God for themselves. They can't live off of our faith. They have to develop their own. Just like JC said, she had to develop her own desire and her own relationship with God. And you know, they don't have to wait till they're in college. That can start, it does start when they're little, if you have little children or grandkids. We taught them how to pray. We made sure they were in church. We discussed the sermons and moves of the Spirit with them so they understood what was going on. And we lived a daily example before them. We prayed with them daily and we still pray for them today. And I'm about running out of time. You know, Lynn and I were always vigilant to, when our kids were little, to know where they were, what they were doing. Keep an eye on them, you know. Don't let them destroy people's houses and property. You know, if you go visit somebody, don't just let them run wild. Get them under control. You know, we don't want somebody coming into our house and tearing everything, busting stuff up. Why do you want to let your kids go to someplace else and bust their stuff up? It's wrong. Yes, sir. Teach them to be respectful of other people. Teach them to be respectful for the church. Not that the building... is God... And we all know that. But still, they have to develop a respect for what's going on when they come in here. Because the man of God is here to speak into our lives, and they need to know that they need to listen just like we need to listen to what's going on. Because God's got something for them. You know, little... Little displays of disobedience and defiance and attitudes in toddlers are cute when they're one or two, but when they're 12 years old, 
and they're defiant, it's not cute anymore. It's a problem. It went from cute to, oh my, what do I do now? Expect, expect your children to be influencers in the world. <clears throat> expect it. If you train them the right way, then those things that have been put into them are going to come out and it's going to affect the world around them because the world will not change them, they will change the world. Amen. I've got one more thing. Be consistent, be relentless, contend, encourage, 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 encourage. You can't encourage them too much. Lay down your life for them. And this is what we're after. I believe this with all my heart, that if we are par parents to our children as they're growing up, when they get to be adults, you then become friends with them. You know, Joel, I work with Joel every day. He's one of my best friends. He might not say that about me, but, but truly, he is. They're, there's very, few, there's very few men that I'd rather spend time with than him. Because what's in him? So if you train them up and you become parents to them when they're little and as they grow up, and don't try to be their buddy, be their parent. Be mom, be dad. Then when they get to be adults, huh, wow, now we're friends. Because I don't have to discipline them anymore. I might give them suggestions, but they're adults, they have to make their own decisions. And I, I'll close with this, because this blessed me so much. We want our kids to be influencers in the world. And I asked JC if I could share this. This was a, she sent this to Lynn and I. She says, I got an email from a student today. Now she teaches school down at Oskaloosa. She said, it made my school year. It says, hey, Miss White, Odessa posted something on Facebook that she heard you say this year and described it as the most inspiring and motivating statement she's ever heard. What she quoted from you is, mediocrity isn't enough. It's not okay to be just okay. It's not okay to just pass. Be the best you, not the minimal you. Now that's what Jace told her class. This girl that sent her the text, she was just quoting this post of another girl. And then she goes on and she says, as you know, the Bible tells us that we're called to be a light to others in every place we go. 
I just wanted to let you know that I believe you have and continue to be fulfilling that calling. Now this is from a student, from a junior. Even though you've been a teacher for only a little while now, you're honestly doing great. I know sometimes students can try to discourage you and make you feel like you're not doing enough, but I encourage you to keep doing, keep going. You have a powerful effect on every student who passes through your classroom. Keep doing you and shining as an example for us all. God bless you, Tisha. Now, that is what we're after. That makes it all worthwhile. That's why we want to take our time and we want to contend and we want to not give up and not take a break and be consistent in everything that we know to do so that our kids have that kind of result in the world. Thank you.